This is Michelle Hoffman from the Science Desk. You're listening to Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in three, two, one. Splash. Splash. Mike Novak is another American gardening great, the Ed Murrow of gardening. And thanks to our colleagues on Gardener's Question Time for introducing us to him. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. It's a fun and informative couple of hours of expert chat. And every so often, the host, Mike Novak, sounds off about a pet hate. Fellow gardeners, I will tell you how insidious, how serious a menace Latin is. Even though Latin is a dead language, folks, it's been dead for centuries, it is taking over our way of life, taking over our gardens like mint takes over our, um, uh, uh, our gardens. To that end, my fellow gardeners... I am hereby announcing that today's very, very truncated show due to Cubs baseball and all future shows will be in English only. Comprene? Believe me, fellow gardeners, it is for your own good. You need to be protected from trying to pronounce things like Cypress Newt Catensis. On my show, that will never, ever happen. Good afternoon, and good luck. Mike Novak signing off the Ed Murrow of gardening. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877 711 5611. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect air. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Good planets are in the Hey, good morning. Um, it's, uh, it's dark outside. Uh, we're having one of those, uh, not, not in Cleveland where we're going to be going to, uh, cause I saw our first guest, Alec McLennan just kind of mm-hmm. glance out the window when I said that. <laughs> um, so he's not getting what we're getting, uh, which is, uh, some storms. You know, my kitty ran under the couch, of course, for a while. And that's ah, my dog snoozing. I uh, see you. <laughs> Basil doesn't care. But uh, Legata is very sensitive, so yes. we have to be uh, uh, treat her very well. So, you know, she gets an extra treat because uh, she's she's dealing with that today. Uh, but you know what? Uh, it's welcome because in this part of the country and it's something we'll be talking about with meteorologist Rick DeMaio later on in the show. Um, we've been in a mild drought mm-hmm. here. And, and it's interesting if you if you look at a map, it's like this area like this that kind of goes across i think it from a swath I, yeah it's a swat because 90 miles north of us in milwaukee they've been doing just fine uh and then south of us 
in southern Illinois. They've been doing fine. But mm-hmm. I think this kind of goes west into Iowa. And I don't know if, if it even goes very far east. But um, it's been dry right here. Yeah. Um, and who knew? Because we set records, rain records in May. So that just shows you how how things can change. And as Rick and I talked uh, last week, it kind of sneaked up on us mm-hmm. uh, during the summer. And suddenly, yeah. holy smoke, um, things are wilting and the, the, the grass turns a little bit brown. Uh, and we're going to talk to uh, a man about that. In fact, today. Um, to start the program, it's about lawn care and, uh, yeah, and give him another. All right. We got all kinds of dings here. Um, and as you know, my philosophy on lawns is when in doubt, rip it out. Uh, but there are people who actually make a living doing this. And one (laughs) of them is with us right now on the zoom machine. See, I'm not trying to, to, to beat up on you there, Alec. I'm just saying that um, in the sustainable world, a lot of people say, you know, the less lawn, the better. And you hear that all the time, don't you? Yeah, it's, it's something that, um, you know, over the last 10 years or so has been been kind of popular. And, you know, I'm all for the less lawn, the better. But it's hard to play play soccer or football or <laughs> run around in the backyard on, on vegetables, you know. So I think lawns have <laughs> oh, their Oh, that place. could be messy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The lawns definitely have their place, um, and if you don't, if you take care of it the right way, then it can actually be a, you know, a benefit to the to the world rather yeah. than a detriment. Absolutely. So there are there is a place for lawns. In fact, um, uh, two weeks ago we had uh, Ryan Anderson from Midwest Grows Green, and you work with them, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, how did you get involved with Midwest Grows Green? You know, I don't, I don't remember how that happened. I came across some of the work they were doing and, and was impressed with uh, kind of the advocacy. And so just, just connected with, with Ryan and, and offered to help out however, however he wanted. And that's, that's turned into kind of doing some consulting work for them. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I, I'm glad you are because, uh, you know, uh, Midwest Grows Green is, and, well, Ryan is based here in Chicago, but you're in Cleveland. Ohio. Uh, your company is also in what Akron and Columbus and no, wait, is yeah. Columbus, you know, we're in Columbus. Cleveland, Akron, Columbus, Indianapolis, and actually, uh, you know, hopefully next year we'll be in Chicago too, somewhere. Ooh, excellent. Good nature, organic lawn care is the name of the company. And, uh, that link is uh, on my website, Mike You can go there. Uh, but there. Uh, website is www.whygoodnature.com, as in why have a safe lawn. I know why I would like to have a safe lawn, and a lot of people uh, would like to have a safe lawn. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit um, about how the company got started? Because you you were kind of an upstart kid, weren't you? And uh, um, it, it involves your dad a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, look at that. Yeah. So I'll break your Latin rule. I'll say Tempest Fugit. Uh, time time flies. It seems like it was just uh, just a little while ago that, um, but really it was over, it was about 20 years ago that I got into this. And um, I'll give you the kind of short, long story is that as a kid, I think I was a freshman in high school and our biology teacher kind of came into the class one day and talked about how they were 
having trouble getting trout established in the in the streams and the metro parks near near my school and he kind of blamed that on all the fertilizers and and pesticides that the people in the in the suburbs around those streams were putting on their lawns yeah then i came home to my kind of country yard that my dad used to have me put the scots four-step on and he had his you know 20 bags of weed and feed out for me to Put this down, is what I, this, I I give the the the, the cross here uh, when when I when I hear weed and feed in the four step program. Well, it's the four sure. step continuous loop program. Yeah. It is, yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, so he had his bunch of bags that I was responsible for pushing those around. And I said, well, you know, Dad, <laughs> I, I just heard those aren't really that's not really good to use. And there's a stream down the way, and mm-hmm. so I'm sorry, but I'm not putting those down. And uh, he's kind of a authoritarian kind of a guy and we fought about it for a while and and eventually he said all right well that's fine but you've got to figure out something else to do so in high school I went to the library you know and found a book by Warren Schultz uh it's called the chemical free lawn and kind of figured out how to take care of our my parents lawn organically Mm -hmm. and that was that was great no big deal went to went to college and um studied engineering and then got out of school and thought, I don't really want to be an engineer and thought I'd like to start a business. And the idea of offering an organic alternative to what was out there at the time uh, seemed like a good idea. So that's basically what I did. And, and the rest is thought, history. Right. Yeah, and that's yeah. what, 20, more than 20 years ago, right? Yeah, it was about 21 years ago. And it's good to hear that uh, you're being, not only are you successful, but you're expanding your, your operation. Um, yeah, I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry, I was going to say it's it's not a it's not a uh, overnight process, but it's been a, it's been it's good to see that people are more and more interested yeah. in not using chemicals on their yard and more willing to not have perfection. In order well, to let that. me say something uh, about that and and the business aspect of it, which is that um, about uh, eighteen years ago. Uh, I was involved in starting uh, an organization called the Midwest Ecological Landscape Alliance. Okay. And I, uh, this was the kind of stuff we talked about and, and, and um, doing landscaping sustainably. Um, and at the time there were very few organic or natural lawn care companies. And I thought, well, that's going to change in 18 years, uh, you know, whenever they're going to spring up all over the place. And, I don't think that's true. I, I, I feel still feel as though there are not enough of them around. I mean, you're coming to Chicago. So it means it must be a market that you think uh, you can succeed in, uh, which tells me that maybe there aren't enough right now. Yeah. I mean, it's still a pretty niche service, you know, it's um, it doesn't appeal to everybody. Um, so, and it's, it's more difficult to probably, achieve that perfect looking lawn organically mm-hmm. so you kind of have to it, it's just a harder thing for a company it's a different kind of a business that you have to have you can't just switch from being a chemical company to an organic company because it's it's not just switching products so i think it's a it's a little bit of a challenge and um i wish there were more people what i will say is positive is that you can tell that the the market is interested in it because there's more companies that are 
kind of marketing themselves. Okay, I've got I've got to let, uh, put you on hold here. We'll be right back to Alex McLennan, and we're talking organic lawn care. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malek. We continue to live in interesting and challenging times. As we've learned over the past few months, something as important as tree care can be made much more difficult by unexpected events like the COVID-19 pandemic. Bartlett Tree Experts understands that and has made safety their number one consideration. But that's not surprising because safety has always been their number one concern and will continue to be their concern as we move into the next phases of this crisis. Something else we've learned over this time is that people love their trees and from a safe distance have been eager to talk to Bartlett Arborist representatives, whether from the safety of their porch or through a window or over the phone. They also know that Bartlett can make outside areas safer from ticks, which are having a banner year thanks to a mild winter. Bottom line, the folks at Bartlett Tree Experts want to say thank you to their customers for loving trees and understanding that every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Are you ready to make a difference by supporting sustainability, civic, and interfaith engagement? Be part of the Faith in Place 2020 Green Team Summit, September 13th through 17th. This year, it's virtual, and sponsors can reach more than 25,000 citizen activists, families, students, and faith leaders through promotions, social media, and emails. Go to greenteamsummit.org to become a sponsor, or sign up to attend workshops on climate crisis, health, clean energy, and more. That's at faithinplace.org. COVID-19 messed with a lot of things this year, but the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards still wants to see your garden. SEGA announces the 60-second garden video challenge. Take your cell phone or camera out to your yard and show us in one creative minute why your garden is special. SEGA will post the videos on their YouTube page where viewers can vote for the best. Yes, there will be prizes. Go to chicagogardeningawards.org or click the logo at mikenovak.net. Since 2001, DiveHeart has been revolutionizing rehabilitation using zero gravity and scuba therapy to give confidence, independence, self-esteem, and yes, freedom to children, veterans, and others with disabilities. At DiveHeart, we believe in the power of partnership because together we can do great things. Let DiveHeart help you imagine the possibilities in your life. Go to DiveHeart.org to learn more. no roots that's what we're talking about here that you got to play that song whenever you're talking about lawns um, because uh, that's what happens to a lot of lawns and the reason they don't uh, succeed is because they don't have roots mm-hmm. sometimes the reason they don't have roots is because of uh, the cultural practices uh, that are used on them welcome back to the mike novak show with peggy malecki We'll get into that in a second. We're talking to Alec McLennan from Good Nature Organic Lawn Care based in Cleveland, Ohio. He's, uh, he's, he's moving out. He's, he's spreading like sedges across the Midwest, <laughs> uh, which we were talking about uh, during the break. Which but, is better than spreading like crabgrass. Uh, that's true. Yes. Notice I didn't uh, use that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we left, we were talking about the uh, – uh, the rise, uh, you know, how, how difficult it is to do uh, a business like this. And, and during the break, one of the things I mentioned to you is that there's a lot of pressure from clients who say, uh, we want a perfect lawn. 
but we don't want any chemicals. Um, it, can those two work together, Alec? Yeah, I mean, we, we try to kind of bring their expectations down just a notch from perfect. Um, I think if that's someone's main priority, then the organics, maybe not the best approach, but in many cases, you know, our organic clients will have a, a way nicer looking lawn than a chemically treated lawn, you know, next door. It's, it, there's a lot more that goes into having a nice lawn, which we'll get into, you know, later with the seeding and things, um, than just the fertilizers you put on it. So you can absolutely have a great looking organic lawn without using all the chemicals. Yeah, um, we've. We've talked to people here in the Midwest who do that, and you've got to be able to to tolerate a few, you know, I don't, I don't even like to call them weeds because then uh, your people are reaching for the chemicals right away, but it's biodiversity. How about that? That's right. It is, you know, extended family on your lawn, uh, something like that. So what do you tell people about, about uh, uh, just being a little more accepting of their lawns the way they are? Well, I think we try to try to you know, put lawns in perspective. You know, I mean, it's not it's not the, the end of the world if your lawn has a little biodiversity in it. But I think I have a, this theory that, you know, so much of life is out of our control. And, you know, you go to work, you're getting yelled at or you're trying to work from home and your kids are yelling at you and all this stuff's going on. And then you go out to your lawn and you just want it to be you, you see some weeds and you feel like they're taking over and you just feel out of control. So being able to control those weeds and control what people can control um, gives them a sense of peace. You know, so I think that we just try to, like I said, talk them down off the ledge a little bit. And then there's, you know, organic ways <laughs> to help reduce those and, uh, and make it nicer. Um, so, we, you know, we do both. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's a matter, you, you, have to, you have to get them to relax just a little bit and understand what's going on and 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 if they can their lives are going to be a lot better <laughs> they're going to feel yeah. much more mm-hmm. comfortable and and what's what's behind the driving have to have the perfect lawn do you really need that once people realize no yeah and i think that i think that on top of that in addition to that you can have a much nicer lawn that's thicker and fuller and stays greener during the summer than if you're putting all the salts on it all the time. So there's mm-hmm. benefits to doing it organically too. Um, it's just, just not perfection. Good for you. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about that. I mean, we've got a, a few minutes before we break again, but why is fall such a good time to work on your lawn? Yeah. So really everyone thinks of spring as the beginning of the, the plant, you know, the season for plants or, or lawns. But really, fall is definitely the start of the season. It's when it's it's replenishing itself. It's it's putting its energy into root growth more so than top growth. Um, so you really want to, um, you know, put every. This is the time. This is the most important time of year to do things to take care of your lawn. And I know that seeding is something you want to talk about. And right now, if grass seed germinates best in warm soil and cool air. It grows best with cool air or cool season grasses. So right now the soil is about as warm as it gets compared to the spring when you're coming out of six months of winter and the soil is like freezing cold, grass seed's not gonna germinate that well. So if you can seed right about now, um, grass seed will sprout well and then the cooler nights are coming, cooler days and some moisture, you know, is coming today. 
and uh, yeah. and that that helps yeah, headed your way there, yeah, Alec. Headed from Chicago, we're sending it That's to right. Cleveland. That's right. So the moisture helps get the grass established, and so you get you get all fall for those roots to get established, and then you get another good spring for the roots to get more established before it has to face its most stressful time of the year, summer. So as opposed to if you seed in the spring, it doesn't really get time to really get a good root system established before it has to face summer. So now is the perfect time. And, and we need to uh, explain cool season grasses as well um, because uh, in the upper Midwest, this is what people grow in, in their lawns. I mean, if you're on the South, you're dealing with different types of grasses altogether. Uh, mm-hmm. What are some of the cool season grasses, Alec? Sure. So cool season grasses that, you know, typically get grown in the Midwest would be kind of the most predominant two are Kentucky bluegrass and perennial ryegrass. And then the group of fine fescues are kind of the most common. Um, In the last 10 years, I'd say something called turf type tall fescue has become more popular because it's, it's traditionally more of a transition zone grass. So more, you know, a little farther South than Chicago, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but, the summers are getting hotter and it holds up a lot better than, than some of those other grasses in the summer. So you're starting to see that in more lawns um, throughout the Midwest. Will that, nice perform, root system. will that perform with uh, Kentucky bluegrass or you do use it instead of? So initially the, the recommendations were always to not mix it, but we like to mix it with bluegrass. Um, you know, it's, so it's, it's a, the seed mix we use is about 95% turf type tall fescue, mm-hmm. 5% bluegrass. Mm-hmm. And bluegrass does a better job of spreading laterally. So, you know, when you're out in your backyard and you, you're using your nine iron and you take a divot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if it's just tall fescue, that divot's going to be there for a long time or it's going to fill in with weeds. Right. Um, if you use, if you have some bluegrass in there, bluegrass will spread to fill in that divot. Uh, so, and and that's why people like it. Uh, it's uh, but it is it is fussy and it needs a lot of care. We're going to continue this conversation. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki talking to Alec McLennan about organic lawn care. Collective Resource Compost wants to show you how they make composting easy in Chicagoland. You can reduce greenhouse gas emissions by diverting food scraps from landfills. CRC brings you a fresh 5-gallon bucket or a 32-gallon neighbor tote with each pickup. You fill it with organic matter, they swap it out, and get it to a commercial composting operation. Composting is what nature would do if we just got out of her way. Learn how easy it is to divert waste at your home, school, or workplace. Go to collectiveresource.us. Whether you have a garden, a farm, or grow houseplants, you need microbial buddies to reconnect you to nature. The folks at Blazing Star sell probiotics from industry leader Tinyo Biologicals, which means they sell good soil biology, which means they maximize soil biodiversity. That results in healthy soil and healthy plants. Tinyo beneficial microbial soil components will add a major boost to depleted soils. Go to blazing-star.com and check out their BioGarden line for home gardeners. Hey everyone, this is Peggy, and I'm here to tell you about Natural Awakening Chicago Magazine, your independent go-to resource for everyday wellness. Natural Awakenings is still the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. 
For more than 10 years, we've been at the leading edge of healthy living, helping you find ideas and trusted resources to lead a more fulfilled and sustainable lifestyle. Each month, we go beyond the trends to take a fresh look at food and nutrition, wellness, personal growth, and green living. Natural Awakenings includes great articles for parents about raising healthy kids, too, as well as ideas for your sustainable home and garden. And if you like good food, you'll love our tasty recipes and meal ideas, from plant-based and gluten-free options to healthy versions of classic recipes and even lunches your kids will love. Natural Awakenings is available throughout the city as well as Suburban Cook, DuPage, Lake, and McHenry Counties, and it's free. Or read it online at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. My baby's name is Busha. From Poland she did come To work out on Jones Island Amid the sludge and scum she wears a bright babushka Everybody and hand over shoes. She's a real hot mama for sure. That's why she keeps me wailing. Those old Milorganite blues. Old Milorganite blues. Have you heard that one before, Alec? I never have. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's in honor of our friend Melinda Myers, uh, who's on the show very often. And um, she uh, is... Uh, uh, Melorganite sponsors her in a lot of things, and uh, they they were a sponsor of the show uh, in the past. Um, do you ever use Melorganite? That was, you know, back when I was talking about back in high school. That was the fertilizer I came up with. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we've, we've I, I've used Melorganite. We don't use that on on clients' lawns because you know they don't like the smell of it a lot of times, and and the idea of sewage on their lawn is not you know conceptually doesn't sound we call good. it we call it biosolids yeah now. uh and 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 i will be really honest with you i for a long time i was uh not a fan and then i went up and talked to their scientists and i toured their facility and i talked to people other scientists um about uh biosolids and i've come to the conclusion that if we don't do something with our own waste we're going to drown in it. We've already got 7 billion, 7 point something billion people on the planet. We got to figure out what to do with it. And Milorganite is, is an elegant solution to that. Totally agree. Environmentally speaking, it's a, it's a perfect solution. You know, you take a waste product and turn it into something that, that provides mm-hmm. a benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I totally agree with that. And I think there's for sure spaces that make sense for it. Um, sometimes the, someone's postage stamp back lawn they may not, they may not love it, but it, it's a, well. It's you a know, on a product. postage uh, stamp back lawn like mine, the only reason that I have a lawn is so I can walk barefoot in my garden. Um, I, I'm not putting anything down on there. Maybe some compost occasionally, but yeah. mostly nothing. Um, and just overseeding from time to time and making sure that the the ground doesn't get compacted and and everything's fine. And if I have a weed or two, I pull them. If I get, you know, and, and again, like violets, are violets a weed? Um, I don't, they're pretty flowers and they help uh, support and butterflies. A lot of caterpillars like them, yeah. Yeah, so um, the same thing as clover. Clover, there's there's another one. I get you, I bet you get people who tell you uh, that uh, they want to get rid of their clover. Sure, yeah. We That's another one where we try to reframe things for people, both with violets and with clover, but especially clover because obviously, you know, the coolest thing about clover is it, it fixes nitrogen. It, it pulls fertilizer from the air down into the ground 
and it feeds the lawn along with it. Everyone thinks you know the clover is going to take over their grass, but it really doesn't do that. It kind of it helps the grass along with helping itself. Um, so we try to our solution to that is if, if people have patches of clover that they don't like, sometimes the patchiness is what they don't like. Uh, we try to get them to to have us add clover to the rest of the lawn so <laughs> that it's more uniform. Yeah. And that can look great. And mm-hmm. it's supporting pollinators, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about bee loss. Why wouldn't you put clover in your lawn? And I love, and you said what I what I tell people all the time, it's taking nitrogen out of the air for free, putting mm-hmm. it into the soil for free. Um, mm-hmm. And so you don't have to buy fertilizer for your lawn. Um, yeah. And it, it's, again, adding biodiversity to your lawn as is uh as are the violets and, and other things like that um peggy mentioned, peggy mentioned crabgrass before like you know clover the way you prevent weeds in a, in a lawn without chemicals is you shade the surface of the soil so that's mowing it high if it's just grass but if you add clover to it you know their umbrella kind of leaves their leaves provide an umbrella effect and shade the soil so you get a lot fewer annual weeds and a lot less crabgrass germinating just by having clover in your lawn. So you'd rather have crabgrass than clover than and don't use clover. But if you like clover better than crabgrass, yeah. great thing to add. Well, what about some of the more natural mixes out there that now have clover, but they might have yarrow and have some other low flowers in them? Yeah. So that's, I mean, I think those are, those are really cool. They, they haven't been super popular for us in, in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, where I think people are still kind of tied to their lawns. Just just making that jump to clover is is a, <laughs> a big leap. Yeah. You know, I, I found that talking to other lawn com- or rather seed companies that the Midwest is a tough nut to crack. Mm-hmm. Cleveland, Chicago, Detroit, uh, those people are still kind of into their lawns, whereas on the coasts, they've yeah. loosened up a little mm-hmm. bit about this. If you go to the East Coast, you know, there's a – multi-million dollar home, you know, beautiful house, and the lawn is full of biodiversity, which in Ohio and where a lot of places we are, people wouldn't be comfortable with that. Yeah. Well, one of the so things- it's coming. Yeah, or they're well, afraid of what the neighbors are going to say. Yeah, but you know, the nice thing is we've started to hear more of, it used to be when 20 years ago was the neighbors are going to be mad at dandelions, and now the neighbors are calling us saying- you know, hey, my neighbors are going to be mad. I'm using chemicals, so I'd like to try to try to not use that. So it's nice to see that pressure going. I am glad to hear that. It is so cool. Yeah. And one of the things we're talking about is, you know, we're on Lake Michigan. You're on Lake Erie. We know what happens to Lake Erie every summer. Uh, how are how yeah. were, I, I? I didn't see a story on it recently. How are the algae blooms this summer? You know, there's been a few other things in the news. The algae blooms haven't uh, <laughs> haven't, haven't really made the, made the headlines. Yeah. yeah, and and actually. Um, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen them this year. They're not right outside of Cleveland, but traditionally, you know, it's, it's been a, a growing problem. Well, and, and it's generally on the Western side uh, near Toledo. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it has to do with runoff, runoff sure. from farms, definitely. Um, and some runoff from uh, yards, from people, putting too much mm-hmm. nitrogen uh, let me one of the things you talked earlier about the four-step program mm-hmm. uh, a friend of mine uh gave me this years ago and it was dan costa of course um and he's at in, at a nursery uh, in the chicago area 
And he described the four, he and his buddies were sitting around one day and they came up with uh, their version of the four-step program. Here's how it works. Um, step one, apply lawn fertilizer with too much nitrogen, weakening your lawn to insects and diseases. Step sure. two, apply insect and disease control to cure the problems created by over-fertilization. Step three, plant grass seed to repair the damage caused by steps one and two. Step four, return to step one. Yeah. And it's pretty accurate. Yeah. It is. It's stunningly yeah. accurate. And some of these programs want you to do it not just four times a year. They want you out six times a year or something. And well, you sell more that way. And tell us about the problems with too much nitrogen in fertilizers, lawn fertilizers. Yeah. So, I mean, nitrogen is just a signal to the plant to grow. So in the spring, when you put down a lot of nitrogen to get that really green, you know, kind of semi-artificial look, um, you're telling a plant that's already growing to grow faster. And so it, it grows its top growth at the expense of growing its root growth. And plants also have, you know, if you imagine a pie, you know, the 100%, they can kind of devote half of their resources to, to growing and half of their resources to defending themselves. And when you tell it, hey, I don't care about defending yourself, I want you to grow, then you shift its resource allocation. So now it's devoting 80% of its resources to growing and only, you know, 20% to defending itself. So you mm-hmm. make it more vulnerable. And then in addition to that, you stimulate a lot of quick, shallow root growth because that fertilizer is so available right at the soil surface. And those roots grow like crazy, but really shallowly. And then they turn into thatch when they die. And that thatch keeps water from getting down into your soil, which makes your lawn, you know, more shallowly rooted mm-hmm. and now has like a blanket on top of it. that keeps water from getting down into the soil. And on top of that, that thatch is attractive to, to, insects that damage grass that like the anaerobic activity like grubs and other insects so you've got you've kind of put down all this nitrogen you've made your grass weaker with a weaker root system and attracted insects to it so that's why you then need all those insecticides and all the other stuff which are actually more toxic than the fertilizers are right and so fertilizer's toxic it's bad for the plant as you explained very eloquently just now tell us we've got like two minutes left tell us just a little bit um, about the chemical, the, the weed killers in there, weed and feed, which is uh, pernicious, if you ask me. Sure. So I'm not a, I, by the way, I'm not an expert on the health effects of chemicals, you know, but the main, the main weed killer that that's in every weed and feed program is 2,4-D. And, you know, it's interesting. We talked about, but Roundup gets all the press right now yeah. for, for having some negative health effects. And, um, and there's definitely some there, but Roundup is used so uh, ubiquitous. It's used everywhere. And that's, I think, why it's in the news. It's interesting that the LD50, which is how they measure toxicity of a chemical, right, is uh, much lower, which means it's for 2,4-D, which means 2,4-D is about 10 times more uh, toxic than Roundup. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't hear about 2,4-D at all. You know, you just hear weed and feed, you hear about Roundup. So... I would say that trying to kill the, the, the chemicals that kill the weeds but don't kill the grass are something you probably want to try to be a little bit careful of. Yeah, yeah, you do want to be a little bit careful of it. And weed and feed is a, a clever marketing ploy. I once uh, went to a garden talk and I said, why did they call it weed and feed? Guy raised his hand and he said, because it rhymes. And I said, that's it. That's part of it. But the other thing is nobody would buy it 
uh, if they called it poison and synthetic fertility. So that's why they call it weed and feed. Uh, listen, we're, we're out of time. This was great, Alec. Thank you so much. Uh, if folks want more information, again, your website is? Uh, w, www and then whygoodnature.com. Whygoodnature.com. We're going to have to talk again. And when you come to Chicago, uh, let us know, okay? Yeah, we'll catch up. Thanks All right. so much. Fantastic. Great, great being Thanks, with you. Alec. Thanks for having me. All right. When we come back, we've got an announcement. August winners in the 62nd Garden Video Contest. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malek. What happens when your lilac sale gets postponed by a pandemic? If you're Lilac Town, you carefully nurture your plants and reschedule for an online sale in September. The Lombard Garden Club has a large selection of dwarf, semi-dwarf, and full-size shrubs. And due to the delay, the plants are bigger than usual and ready for immediate fall planting. Purchase your lilacs online and pick them up at Lilacia Park in Lombard, September 10th to 12th. Go to LombardGardenClub.org or click the lilac photo at MikeNovak.net. Illinois has become a national leader in solar energy installation, and right now you can save 60 to 70% on installation costs. You want it for your home or business, but you don't know where to start. So give our friends at Albright Solar a call. Albright Solar offers a boutique, hands-on approach to your situation. They know the ins and outs of local solutions, and we've worked with them for a decade. They're good people, and they know their stuff. Go to albright.solar or call 773-887-6446. Portrait of a radio show. This is not exactly a gardening or an environment or a local food program. It's all of them. You're entering another dimension. A dimension where information about the why and the who and the where are just as important as the how. And it's funny. I don't get that part. You've just entered the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki Zone on the Smart Talk Radio Network. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook and YouTube at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike, at MikeNovak.net. We're also at TheGreenDivas.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on the Smart Talk Radio Network. Podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. Sign up to get our newsletter on the homepage and support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. American city, you will find it very pretty. Just two things of which you must beware. Don't drink the water and don't breathe the air. Pollution, pollution, we got smog and sewage and mud. Turn on your tap and get hot and cold running crud. You know, it's amazing how you go uh, 50 years into the future and we're still talking about the same things. Thank you, Tom Lehrer. Uh, for uh, that song, and uh, it, the more things change, the more they remain the same. Apparently, uh, we've got some uh, folks uh, who were writing into us. Um, uh, Peggy, why don't you tell us about the email we got from Steve Wenzel? Steve's watching us on Facebook, and he commented. We were talking with Alec um, pre- previously about flowers in the lawn. No, clover, right. yarrow, et cetera. And he says we've biodiversity got biodiversity pr- in biodiversity. Thank you. I haven't had enough coffee. Uh-huh. Steve says we've got prairie petunia spreading nicely in our lawn. The flowers stay in bloom below the lawnmower blades. 
and that is Ruelia humilis, Steve says. Or humilis. Humilis. But, but Latin's humilis. a good language, so you don't have to worry humilis. about Humilis. Like we <laughs> said, like I said at the show, start of the show, it's Latin, and it's taking over the world. And, and that is uh, Karen and Steve Wenzel, our, our friends at Tinyo. Or, uh, yeah. At, not at Tinyo. They are... Blazing Star. Blazing Star. And and they feature the tiny, tiny old products. products yeah. And we want to thank them for being a great sponsor. And uh, Steve uh, says a few years of mowing seems to select for low height in the plant. That's good because uh, Peggy and I both grow this plant. And by the way, you should grow it. It's what they, you know, he calls it prairie petunia. Some people call it native petunia. Um, and it has these lovely purple lavender flowers mm-hmm. in the summer. Um, loves dry shade. It's a native uh, dry shade is like the key for me. I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. Because who wants to water? Makes a uh, nice if, ground cover. If, if you don't have, yeah. And so I've had it and it spreads, it will, uh, recede itself. In fact, I had, I gave away some earlier this year. I replanted some in other parts of the yard because it was popping up, uh, in various places and, um, it's not hard to, to get rid of. So it's, uh, it's really in addition to your your Mm -hmm. garden. So uh, if you're interested in a nice native that's low grow, and like I said, can handle dry shade, dry shade, don't Uh, put it in damp shade. It won't work. Believe me. Oh, you tried that, huh? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yet another plant that just the garden absorbed. Uh Um, And, uh, and we just got something from our friend, Deborah Stout Moulton, uh, before we make our announcement here. Uh, she says, just curious, I planted two pumpkin seeds five years ago, got one lovely vine that really took off. I had to manually pollinate the blossoms. Some people have to do that. I uh, had about six nice small pumpkins. Landlord didn't like it, <laughs> so never planted any more. Well, they'll take over your yard. Uh, a week ago, my pumpkin vine magically appeared in my garden, or a pumpkin vine. It's small, but doing well. What the heck? Oh, well, it's just one of the seeds. Finally yeah. got around to germinating. That's uh, the way those, I love or, it. Or a squirrel put it there. Um, yeah, uh, you know, uh, what, yeah, it could have come from someplace else. Squirrel, or, you know, uh, I love having volunteers. Things just pop up. I mean, I gave uh, uh, Peggy a uh, Joe Pieweed that appeared in a part of the yard that I hadn't planted it. And mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I can give this to Peggy because I don't want it here. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy. Malecki, and we have an announcement from the 62nd Garden Video Challenge. We have our August Dr- drum roll, drum roll. Yeah, well, everything will just fall apart here. Um, the um, the winners for the August contest, and again, we're still doing this. We've got one more month. Uh, we're going to go through September, so there's still time to take a video of your garden. Because mm-hmm. now we've got goldenrod and some of the asters coming into bloom. I bet there's going to be some really beautiful gardens. Or you can, if you took pictures, took photos all mm-hmm. season long, um, put them together in a video. That's what a lot of people have done is they just take the photos that they've taken of their yard and they create a video and put a little bit of um, non-copyright, non-copyrighted music. Or narration. Uh, or narration, if you want. Yeah. You can do that. Some people just have natural sound effects and have narration. So here are our winners uh, for August. We had a tie for third place between Elise Marin 
and the Second Unitarian Church of Chicago. I'll give them a ding, too. We had a tie for wow. second place. Isn't that something? Uh, for Kellogg School Garden Club and Ella Orlaska. And uh, Ella has won now for two months. People keep voting for her <laughs> video, which is cool because that works. at the end of the contest, we are giving away a grand prize of $150 to the best well, the most voted on. That's it's not mm-hmm. not the best. It is the video with the most votes, the thumbs up. You got to give it a thumbs up on YouTube. Go to the YouTube page, Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards, to find these videos. Mm-hmm. And Kathleen has posted them to the uh, website for Chicago Excellence in Gardening, and that's ChicagoGardeningAwards.org. Mm-hmm. Go to ChicagoGardeningAwards.org, and you will see those videos right now. So and, um, and there will also be prizes, um, additional ones. Well, there's some, there's some first gift places, cards. First place is one hundred and fifty dollars. Second place is one hundred dollars. Third place mm-hmm. is fifty dollars. There will but, also be gift cards from and there's gift cards. Other from, places too. City Grange. Um, yep. City Grange. So thanks to Lamanda Joy for that. Uh, and our first place winner for August. You want to give me that drum roll again? <laughs> OK. Uh, Chicago's Lakeview Community Garden at Diversity, uh, which is a wonderful garden. Um, it has won um, Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards uh, awards in the past. Uh, and it is just, uh, I guess, a lot of people wanted to see it uh, win a prize for the video. So these are the ones that, uh, and, and by the way, Chicago's Lakeview Community Garden at Diversity is eligible for a rain barrel from the MWRD Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago. Um, and we can thank Kim Dubu Clay for that. So we will contact them. I don't mm-hmm. know if they're going to be able to put it there because it is a community garden. In, yeah. in a, the kind of rain barrels area. will all be delivered in October and there'll be another one we're giving away in September and two more at the end of the contest as well. Um, and as I said, you can still enter, you can still vote. Um, we're doing this through September, and then we're going to tally all the votes for the whole summer and pick the first, second, and third mm-hmm. place winners. And again, it's good because you and I don't have to judge them, Peggy, and our team. <laughs> are, are, we we're not sitting to... in the basement of of uh, a Chicago institution with other people. For judging. hours <laughs> at a stretch trying to, to <laughs> be fair to everybody about these gardens. So. Uh, enter, go to chicagogardeningawards.org and uh, and uh, click on the videos, be inspired, and the entry uh, form is right there. And it All doesn't right. matter where you live, anywhere in the world. That's right. It doesn't have to be Chicago. All right. In the second hour, we're going to be talking about Faith in Place and their Green Team Summit 2020. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki. We'll be back. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. 
Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Sniggy Malecki. And, you know, I'm lis- listening to uh, the theme, All I Need is Good Food to Eat. And that's going to be something that uh, one of our guests, Dr. Jalise Raymond, uh, is going to be talking about because that has something to do with COVID-19. It has something to do with social justice. It has to do with social health. Um, and uh, we're here to talk about the Green Team Summit 2020 uh, presented by Faith in Place. We happen to have the uh, a president and executive director of Faith in Place, the Reverend Brian Souter. Uh, Brian, it's good to see you. Yeah, good morning, Mike. Good morning, Peggy. It's great to be here with you all today. And Dr. Raymond, thank you so much for being on the show with us. Uh, you're going to be doing a, uh, a presentation at the Green Team Summit called COVID-19 and Adjust Recovery. Uh, by the way, that's the title of the Green Team Summit, Adjust Recovery. So, Brian, oh. that that assumes that we're going to have a recovery, doesn't it? Well, that's a great question. What we're doing is bringing together people of faith from all different faith traditions, Muslim, Jewish, Baha'i, Christian, to wrestle with that theme. What what does a just recovery look like and what can we as people of faith be doing in our local communities to advance a just recovery? Yeah, uh, and it's that's that's quite a load to put on people. But the, the good news is you're able to, in the age of COVID-19, in the middle of this pandemic, you're still able to have the conference virtually. Um, and usually, uh, last year, Peggy and I were, were part of the, uh, the Green Team Summit, uh, which was at the Field Museum. Uh, this year, um, you're doing it online and you you're able to spread it out over four days. What uh, prompted you to do that? Yeah, so as a, as a Faith in Place community, we begin to wrestle with, you know, usually we are at the Field Museum for a day-long workshop. You know, buses come from all over Illinois from different faith communities, people who are excited, keynote speech, workshop, lunch, networking, exhibitors. It's a great time. And as we, we thought about the opportunity to um, work together as people of faith and conscience towards a more just future, we thought, well, this virtual opportunity is really great. We're very excited if you check out our website at greenteamsummit.org to see all of our partners. We have partners from uh, Washington State Earth Ministry to New York Interfaith Power and Light to all over the, the nation. People of faith are going to be gathering for this summit to talk together, to network, to get to know what's working in their faith communities. It's really cool. And then this virtual platform that we're using, I got to tell you about because it's meant to be a very engaging uh, workshop. So when you join the summit, you'll get like 20 minutes of content mm-hmm. about one of these topics we're looking at. Uh, transition to clean energy is one. Deputy Governor Christian Mitchell will be joining to lead that. Uh, Dr. Jalice is going to be talking about public health and, and uh, climate change and COVID, uh, local food, and how we have a just recovery. So you get, you get that, and then you'll break out into groups and be able to meet other people from all across the nation, talk about how this issue is showing up in your own community, and then come back for a facilitated question and answer. And they tell me the technology is really cool. Well, we plan to have over 1,500 people on this on this summit, and people will ask questions, and they'll be able to vote which question you think is most pertinent. So immediately, huh. the, nice. the question that the most people are excited about will come up and pop and we'll give that to the facilitator and then they'll be able to answer that question. So even though we're going to be in a virtual space, all from our own remote locations, 
we're really going to facilitate deeper connections together and really inspire one another to take further action for a just recovery in our own communities. Yeah. So, and what this is, is the... coming up, if I can hop in quickly, Sunday, September 13th through Thursday, September 17th. Yes. yes. So a a week Sunday, from today. Yeah. A week from today will be our first, our keynote panel. Um, we have some very uh, inspiring speakers. Pastor Otis Moss here, the senior pastor of Trinity United Church of Christ, is joining them with the executive director of the Clio Institute, uh, Yoka, and the executive director of Samacha, Carlos, uh, both uh, groups that work with Latinx populations um, on climate change justice. So we're very excited for the keynote panel that will launch it off on Sunday. By the way, we're going to be given some green team awards throughout the summit. We have some faith partners who have done tremendous advocacy work that's going to just blow your mind as far as the work that they have done to pivot and adapt during this, this pandemic to really advance justice. So we'll be giving some words out highlighting good work of other faith communities um, as we listen from inspiring speakers and get connected with each other uh, and learn more ways that we can all take action and make a difference in our own neighborhoods. And you mentioned earlier that the people from all over the place, you can be anywhere in the world really and be part of this. Um, you used to get people from Illinois uh, and, and I would imagine nearby Midwest states. How are you doing uh, with uh, getting folks from uh, around the country? Yeah, we're really pleased to be partnering with our, our national affiliate. So Faith in Place is the Illinois affiliate of Interfaith Power and Light. And Interfaith Power and Light has 40 different state affiliates. So those other states are helping spread the word to faith communities who are also active for climate change, helping get the word out about the summit. And so we're excited to be partnering in this way and continuing to grow our network and our movement of people of faith leading the environmental movement. Right. And it's it's free and open to anybody. You don't have to belong to an organization. Yeah. And let me just say something. The most common question I get is, do I have to register for the whole thing? And the answer is no, you just register once that will give you access to any of the workshops that happen, the keynote address, and maybe you can't watch it live. You can go back after you register and access the files and, and get all the information. Fantastic. And I, I love the, the fact that you're making it so easy and uh, you don't have to uh, donate your firstborn to, <laughs> to be part of this. Uh, let's go to Dr. Jaylee Raymond. Um, and uh, uh, Dr. Raymond, uh, you're doing COVID-19 and a just recovery. So obviously you've been uh, doing some research uh, about COVID and, and some of the material you sent to us is about um, how COVID affects people of different strata in the United States. And before we got live here on the radio, I said, um, it's kind of a duh moment when uh, you realize uh, well, to have people tell you that minorities and low-income people are going to be most affected uh, by COVID-19. And yet, as you say, it's very important. Why is that? I, I think so. So thank you, Mike and Peggy, for, for having us over here. And I think I'm glad you're bringing this up. This is a very important question. Um, I think subconsciously, most people in the United States have always known that uh, people who have low income, people of certain ethnic, uh, racial minorities, that they are more vulnerable. And... Uh, but just because we know that that's the case, or subconsciously know it, doesn't mean that people have acted on it. And I think what COVID-19 has shown is that it exposes the weaknesses in the system. It exposes the disparities, the inequality, because uh, those inequalities are resulting in tragic deaths. And, and I also think that um, suffering is something that connects all people. So no matter what your income, education, ethnic, racial background is, 
all of us now, I think, can relate to the suffering of each other that they've experienced through COVID, the uncertainty, the anxiety, the fear. And I think this is a, as tragic as the deaths were, I think this is a good opportunity for us to talk about what did COVID-19 expose, the inequalities, and how can we move forward and achieve the just recovery that we're just talking about? Yeah, something we've talked about on the show before is how COVID has exposed everything uh, uh, in our society, all the weaknesses in our society, uh, the healthcare system, the financial system, uh, the political system, uh, on and on and on. It's just uh, food availability. Yeah, it's shined a light on all of that. Uh, Very interesting. I went to um, modernhealthcare.com and found uh, an article um, that says as many as 215,000 more people than usual died in the U.S. during the first seven months of 2020, suggesting that the number of lives lost to the coronavirus is significantly higher than the official toll, and half the dead were people of color, Blacks, Hispanics, Native Americans, and to a marked degree, unrecognized until now, Asian Americans. Um, I'm kind of stunned. Well, surprised a little bit by the number but it doesn't because i do you believe we've been underreporting the deaths in america so i think it's it's not a purposeful underreporting i think uh in early on we just didn't capture all the people that were covid infected so we didn't know we were seeing this massive surge in deaths but we didn't really know that this was due to covid because a lot of covid went undetected but there's a second component to it too is it's not just people who have died because of COVID. Some people have also died because maybe they were afraid to go to the hospital while they were having a heart attack. So that also leads to more deaths because, you know, I think many people had strokes and heart attacks. Normally they would have called 911 and immediately gone to the hospital. This time, maybe they thought, you know what, maybe we will, they are afraid of getting infected in the hospital. So they might not have called. So I think the number you have there that, you know, 200 or 250,000 additional deaths it's in large part due to people who had COVID, but some of it is people whose regular health care was compromised due to uh, the, the problems that COVID has created. That makes a, a lot of sense. And, and, and in that respect, it's a COVID-related death. Just Absolutely. No you, you, you can't get away with it. And I thought it was brilliant that um, you just compare the number of deaths to tw- in 2019 to 2020 or what our usual numbers of deaths in America. And you get this number and you have to scratch your head and you say, well, why is that? Well, we know why that is. But as you point out, it's not just the actual disease. Although when we come back from this break, I want to talk a little bit about the various health problems that people have in the United States and how COVID uh, uh, exacerbates those health problems. We're talking to uh, Dr. Jalise Raymond uh, and the Reverend Brian Souter. Uh, it's the Faith in Place Green Team Summit 2020, a just recovery. We'll be right back. We continue to live in interesting and challenging times. As we've learned over the past few months, something as important as tree care can be made much more difficult by unexpected events like the COVID-19 pandemic. Bartlett Tree Experts understands that and has made safety their number one consideration. But that's not surprising because safety has always been their number one concern and will continue to be their concern as we move into the next phase of this crisis. Something else we've learned over this time is that people love their trees and from a safe 
distance, have been eager to talk to Bartlett Arborist representatives, whether from the safety of their porch or through a window or over the phone. They also know that Bartlett can make outside areas safer from ticks, which are having a banner year thanks to a mild winter. Bottom line, the folks at Bartlett Tree Experts want to say thank you to their customers for loving their trees and understanding that every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. COVID-19 messed with a lot of things this year, but the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Award still wants to see your garden. SEGA announces the 60-second garden video challenge. Take your cell phone or camera out to your yard and show us in one creative minute why your garden is special. SEGA will post the videos on their YouTube page where viewers can vote for their favorite gardens. And yes, there will be prizes. Go to chicagogardeningawards.org or click the logo at mikenovak.net. Even in the middle of a pandemic, we need to be prepared to bring about a just recovery. That's the theme of the Faith in Place 2020 Green Team Summit from September 13th to the 17th. This year, it's a virtual event, so folks can attend from all over the country. Workshops will connect the dots from faith to climate change to racial justice to public health. Peggy and I will be part of it, and we hope you will be too. Help us create healthier communities. Go to faithinplace.org. Since 2001, DiveHeart has been revolutionizing rehabilitation using zero gravity and scuba therapy to give confidence, independence, self-esteem, and yes, freedom to children, veterans, and others with disabilities. At DiveHeart, we believe in the power of partnership because together we can do great things. Let DiveHeart help you imagine the possibilities in your life. Go to DiveHeart.org to learn more. Chop it, chop it, chop it, chop it See, up. In my hood, there ain't really much to eat. Popeyes on the corner, McDonald's right across the street. All this talk about guns and the drugs, pretty serious. But look at what they feeding y'all. That's what's really killing us. Please change the food in my school, make it good. Get that fake food up out of my hood. Hope the message not misunderstood. Grow and cook your own food, yes you could. Got the little homies in the garden. Got the big homies selling collard greens in the north side. Ain't starving since community cooks been on the scene. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And um, we are talking to the folks from the Green Team Summit 2020, uh, Just Recovery. Uh, Faith in Place is putting it on. It starts next Sunday. It's four days. It's all online. Um, cool stuff. And uh, we have the Reverend Brian Souter, Executive Director and President of Faith in Place, Dr. Jalise Raymond, scientist and cardiologist at the University of Illinois at Chicago. We didn't mention that before. I apologize. Um, and we're talking about his presentation, COVID-19 and a just recovery. And uh, during the break, Peggy, you, you brought up a really, really good point. Uh, I'd like you to address it to Jalise. Oh. Which I brought up a lot of points. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I, I lost my screen here for a second. I'm like, okay, where's Okay, it? well, we were talking about, it was, um, uh, it was about what, what we well, can do we moving forward. Yes. Yeah, that's it. And that's the point I wanted you to make. Thank you. Okay. Yes. So I think that the first step, and, and uh, this is, I'm, I'm glad you also brought up the University of Illinois Hospital, which is where I work. It's, it's a major focus of ours to uh, understand why are there such disparities in COVID-19, but mm-hmm. also in the healthcare system in general. And it's, it's not just COVID-19. Uh, our uh, university has been researching these disparities, even in cancer, long before COVID-19. 
we found how that um, individuals from ethnic minorities or low-income neighborhoods tend to have worse cancer outcomes. And so, so this is a problem that's throughout the system, that exists throughout the system and for many decades. Um, but what are, the, what are the factors that we're worried about? So when we look at the COVID-19 data, we find that people who live in low-income neighborhoods, uh, who live in high-density population areas where they don't have a lot of space, um, who are of ethnic and um, racial minorities, such as Hispanic Latino communities, African-American communities, they tend to have higher infection rates, but they also unfortunately do worse in the hospitals. They try, when they're hospitalized, they get hospitalized more frequently and they have severe complications of COVID-19. So this has prompted a lot of research. Why is that? Why do certain neighborhoods get infected more and why mm -hmm. do patients do worse? And I think um, the consensus that's emerging in the field is that if you live and work in places which can't maintain safe social distancing, you're much more likely to be infected. But then why do you even become sicker? Why do you need hospitalization? And why do you need mechanical ventilation more? And that has to do, I think, with pre-existing health conditions. And one of the health conditions, and maybe this is what Mike was alluding to, uh, Peggy, what you brought up in the break was food insecurity. Mm -hmm. So this is a major challenge that the United States faces in, in neighborhoods, where if you are in a low-income neighborhood, uh, you have much less access to fresh, healthy foods. And um, this was, for me, this was a, a big shock when I came to the United States. I'm originally from Germany, where it's very normal that in every neighborhood you live in, you have a grocery store with fresh fruits and vegetables within walking distance, and fruits and vegetables are cheaper than processed food. So, so when I was a kid, it was a, uh, in Germany, it was a treat to go to McDonald's because that was so expensive. And normally you just eat at home. Yeah. And when I came to the United States, it was a shock. That was the other way around, that if you eat processed food, junk food, it's cheaper. So a bag of potato chips has just as many calories uh, as, you know, a large selection of fruits and vegetables, but it's a fraction of the cost. So people who are worried about making ends meet and they, they're not even sure if they can get enough food to get through the day. What they do, they're forced to use this little income that they have for food and invest it, unfortunately, in unhealthy foods that are high in fat, high in sugar, high in salt, mm -hmm. to get the calories that they need to survive. But when they do that, that leads to a lot of diseases such as high blood pressure, obesity, diabetes. And what we've seen in COVID-19 is that those diseases, they make your body very vulnerable. And we have much more diabetes, kidney disease, high blood pressure, for example, in African-American communities. So when they get infected with COVID, their outcomes are much, much worse. And, and that's what we have to work on. And that's what we're trying to understand right now. We've known it all along. But now that I think all of society is waking up to these problems, now is a great chance for us to come up with solutions. How do we fix this? That was eloquent, and it, it, it highlighted exactly what I was struck by when I was reading some of those papers you sent, the idea that $20 a week can make all the difference between buying even some fruits and vegetables and just having to rely on uh, the other stuff that keeps you alive but doesn't make you healthy. Um, and one of the papers uh, comes right out and says these are racist situations, racist policies, and I, you know, some people think that's kind of a harsh term, but in a way, uh, Jalice uh, and or Brian, isn't that what we're working with here? There is a sort of uh, uh, systemic racism. 
Yeah, well, I'll jump in on this. The, you know, part of the point of the Green Team Summit is to highlight exactly what Dr. Jalise is talking about, that everything is connected. And that's why we're talking about a just recovery that connects the dots between climate change, racism, and the impacts of COVID-19. And I, you know, I think this is going to be a week where this sort of subject is, is uh, we're going to create space to talk this through, throughout the various workshops. For example, uh, Faith in Place has really been leading the way. We've given out over $82,000 to our local faith communities who are in food insecure neighborhoods to help them with the immediate crisis uh, to get food out into the local neighborhood. But we also know long-term we need to be building local food resiliency. So we have Monica Brown Moss leading a workshop on shifting to a local food economy. We also know that these things are connected and health outcomes are connected to flooding in the community. So we have our friends at the Metropolitan Planning Council leading a a workshop on the health and economic impacts of of flooding. Um, And we know that, you know, unemployment in these neighborhoods are also connected to all of these these aspects. And when you see historically in a a community where there's 20% unemployment, now we're seeing 40%, 45% unemployment in communities uh, where systemic racism has devastated the community over time. And so the workshops at the Green Team Summit are going to be an opportunity for our faith partners and for interested environmental activists to join and begin to connect these dots and really wrestle with the question, what do we do about this? How do we take this information, support one another as we're waking up to everything being connected and really drive forward on, on shared and common and collective solutions? And unfortunately, that's it. That's the time we have. Thank you so much for being with us. Go to my website, MikeNovak.net. You can register right there, all the information. It says the sentence, you can register here. Click right on it, and you can do that. Uh, Reverend Brian Souter, uh, Jalise Raymond, thank you so much. We'll be right back. It's a pleasure being here. The folks at Blazing Star know that good soil biology means good soil. That's why they sell products from trusted industry leader Tinyo that contain more than 30 species of beneficial bacteria and fungi chosen for their critical roles in soil and plant health. In other words, whether you're a farmer or a backyard gardener, they help you grow the life in your soil so your soil can grow your plants. Go to blazing-star.com and check out their BioGarden line for home gardeners. You can reduce your household garbage 30% by the simple act of composting. But I live in a condo or an apartment, you say. Well, if you're in the Chicago area, contact Collective Resource Compost. They give you a fresh 5-gallon bucket or a 32-gallon neighbor tote if you're working with your community. You fill it with food scraps, they swap it out on a regular schedule, and voila! You're returning organic matter back to the soil instead of creating harmful methane in a landfill. Go to collectiveresource.us. They make composting easy. What happens when your lilac sale gets postponed by a pandemic? If you're Lilac Town, you carefully nurture your plants and reschedule for an online sale in September. The Lombard Garden Club has a large selection of dwarf, semi-dwarf, and full-size shrubs. And due to the delay, the plants are bigger than usual and ready for immediate fall planting. Purchase your lilacs online and pick them up at Lilacia Park in Lombard, September 10th through 12th. Go to LombardGardenClub.org or click the lilac photo at MikeNovak.net. You want to install a solar energy system for your home, but you're afraid you'll be overwhelmed by choices and jargon. You need to talk to our friends at Albright Solar. Albright Solar offers a boutique, hands-on approach to your situation. They know the ins and outs of local solutions. They take the confusion out of the process and make solar simple, giving you the confidence to enjoy your investment. Harness the power of the sun. Go to albright.solar or call 773-887-6446. 
struggle out there. Disorder and confusion everywhere. No one seems to care. Well, I do. Hey, who's in charge here? It's jungle out there. Why is it ever, as we know, one of my favorite tunes of all time. In all, it's, a, it's a TV show intro, so uh, I don't know if anybody ever watched Monk, but Monk was... Oh, a, is that what that's... Well, yeah. no, Monk is still on reruns now. Oh, yeah. Well, I know. I know. But I watched it when it uh, was on for real and okay. uh, really, really loved the show. Hey, today we get uh, we get uh, bonus Rick DeMaio. Um, that's coming up. Uh, in just a second however um i have a little announcement to make here first and i'm going to apologize in advance because um, i'm i'm reading it off of this because i want to make sure i get things right so uh it's uh, on the screen here and and so if i'm not looking at you that's why um this is our final show on wcgo radio the world is moving fast and we're moving with it now to be clear the mike novak show with peggy malecki isn't ending just our presence on 1590 and 95.9 in Chicago. Peggy and I want to thank all of the people who have helped to make this our Sunday morning home for more than three and a half years. That starts with uh, General Manager Chuck Duncan, who welcomed us the day after you know who was elected president. That seems like a million years ago, and it seems like yesterday. Uh, Thanks for the opportunity to contribute to the Smart Talk Radio Network, Chuck. Uh, Director of Operations Randall Betker has been working his butt off for five months to enable Peggy and me to work remotely from our homes. He needs a few days off. In fact, he's taking them right now during the Labor Day holiday. You've earned it, buddy. Uh, Be safe. Be well. Director of Production Mike Michalski was a genius when it came to making us sound good in our commercials, promos, public service announcements, and show intros Thanks for the great work, Mike. Director of Communications Andy Miles has helped to promote our show on the WCGO and Smart Talk Radio pages via written word and podcast audio. He also helped out in other important ways that were always appreciated, like getting my podcast audio to me. Thank you, Andy. Uh, Engineer Nancy Cadigan is the new kid on the block, but she's earned her stripes by quickly learning how to deal with remote broadcasting and keeping us up to speed on changes. We really, really appreciate that, Nancy. Great job. Andrew Marshall isn't here anymore, but he's earned a shout out too. a high school student from New Trier in Winnetka. Yeah, high school student. He divided his time between high school studies and WCGO radio for at least a year and a half. Now he's on to Hofstra University, and we wish him well. Stay safe, dude. So what about us? The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki will continue to exist not just on WCGO, or just not on uh, WCGO. We're going to take at least one week off, maybe two, and then we'll be back at 9 a.m. Central Time on Facebook, regardless of what Zuckerberg has to say, and the used tube. Uh, We might even add another platform. Uh, But we're going to continue to protect our planet, give you practical gardening advice, and entertain you on Sunday mornings and surprise at other times. Yeah, at other times during the week. So what we want you to do is keep in touch. You can do that by going to MikeNovak.net and signing up for our newsletter. We've posted that information near the top of the page. At least I, I hope it's up there. 
Um, that way, you'll know exactly what we're doing as we move forward into the next phase of the show. It wouldn't hurt if you gave us a like on Facebook or followed us on Twitter or Instagram, too. Oh, yeah, don't forget to subscribe to The Mike Novak Show on YouTube. That will help you keep in touch. Uh, thank you, WCGO Radio, for your support over the past three and a half years. And thank you, listeners and watchers and folks who read the blog for all of your support. We also want to thank our administrative assistants over the past few years. Kayla Delia Reconquista. I hope I got that right, Kayla. Uh, Hannah Singh. And Ellie Sanchez, who is now working for the Nature Conservancy, we're proud of all of them. And Kathleen Thompson, who does a lot of a little bit of everything for the show. Of course, some of those folks are staying with us as we move to the intertubes, uh, as are our terrific sponsors, without whom this program is not possible. Thanks to Bartlett Tree Experts, Collective Resource Recycling, Blazing Star Nursery, Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights, and the many, many other companies who have, who have, uh, have put and will continue to put their trust in us. And for you Rick DeMaio fans, he's not going anywhere. He'll be with us almost every week. Uh, there he is now. Clearing his throat. He'll be with us almost every week in the future, as he has been for almost every week during the past 12 years. And I can't thank you enough for that, Rick. Uh, so let's get to some bonus Rick DeMaio time right now. How you doing, Rick? Good. Does this mean our new platform is going to get me a raise? <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> Extra coffee for you every week. <laughs> Uh, we'll get some, there you, go. you know, I'll hire a dog walker for you. How's that? No, but you like walking the dog, don't you? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I have him with me right now, but I'm up in Southern Wisconsin up here a little bit earlier this week. And, uh, hmm. looking at this new batch of thunderstorm is kind of developing to the West, which means if it's moving to the South and East, uh, that means that areas of Chicago that got rain this morning could be in for another dousing of precipitation. Remember what that looks like, guys? We haven't seen that in a while, right? <laughs> really? Yeah, what, what is this stuff coming out of the sky? Yeah. I know. It, it, it almost seemed odd, Peg, to wake up to the sound of, of thunder and, and mm -hmm. see a little bit of lightning and hear the raindrops on the roof. And I, I, I think the grass at the same time was going, oh, come on, yeah. every drop I'll take. But in, in some cases, you know, where, where people let the lawns go dormant, they'll come back green pretty quickly, mm -hmm. uh, especially when you can get some cool – some cool nights with the wet weather that usually helps as well. Uh, but boy, it's, it's, it's totally different from that compared to what they're seeing out across the Rocky mountains in California. I've never seen heat and dryness last this long guys. Wow. Yeah. But you know, you sent me something um, that just kind of stunned me about what's going to happen to Denver in the next couple of days. What's, what's going on now oh. <laughs> and what's going to happen. I think you should set yeah. the scene. And why? For, yeah. It's nuts. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think it, it, it's kind of the um, uh, it's almost like two sides of an of an extreme. Um, a, they've been phenomenally dry, and when you can stay that dry that long into early September, um, it doesn't take much for the heat to continue. And we've seen that around here. When it gets really dry, you know, your average afternoon temperature could easily be three to five degrees warmer. And then typically your record highs could be three to five degrees warmer as well. Just to put it into perspective, yesterday, Denver, Colorado, uh, has a normal high this time of year of about 83. Their record high was 98. They had 101 
Rapid City, South Dakota, their normal high is 81. Their record, previous record, was 98. They hit 104. Sheridan, Wyoming, which is basically northern sections of Wyoming on the, mm-hmm. on the border of Montana yesterday, hit 102, and that's nearly 25 degrees above normal. And it looks like Sheridan's going to be in for snow tonight. Rapid City snow tomorrow, at least not Rapid City, but the Black Hills. Uh, and the Winter Storm Watch is now up for the Denver area, <laughs> particularly areas west of them, uh, which is basically the foothills. Could yeah. see as much as 12 to 14 inches of snow. It, it's one thing to go from hot to cold, but it's it's a little bit different when you go from extreme heat to literally record snow. That They've seen snow early in this, believe it or not, back in the 40s and 50s. They had mm-hmm. a couple of, you know, one to two inch snowfalls. But this could easily be a foot in, in some of the higher elevations west of Denver. And while it may yeah. not be that much of a dramatic impact to your highways, because they'll probably just stay kind of slushy. They'll keep up with, with plowing them. But you, we're talking about probably some significant tree damage and also to bushes as well. So uh, I'm sure the folks at, at Bartlett Tree Service are thinking to themselves, my God, if we were out there in Colorado, how much work we'd have to do in, in clearing some of the broken branches that's going to happen over the next couple of days in the Colorado area. The only good thing about this is that it's going to put quite the um, – uh, dousing on any fires that are continuing in the state of Colorado. Other places out west in parts of California and also southern areas of, of, of Oregon and Idaho and Washington state, they'll get windy and cool, but they won't get the precipitation. So the threat of any wildfires, while it hasn't been that bad in California, uh, will continue to at least be extended um, over the next couple of months. Remember, it's only early September. Wildfire season is early October yeah. and November in California. Wow. Just, so what – go ahead. No, no, Peggy. What's driving this all of a sudden, that going from you know record what, Peg, heat I, to snow? Yeah. Um, first off, uh, the, we have to talk about the fact that it's been so dry, and mm-hmm. that has been this persistent area of very, very strong high pressure that basically began to develop over the desert southwest about a month and a half ago. Usually when you begin to get those kind of systems going, you begin to get, you know, kind of monsoonal moisture kind of underneath that, and it kind of breaks it down a little bit. It kind of wettens that upper air high. But for some reason, the monsoonal moisture never really got in to that part of the desert southwest. And it's still kind of odd. I mean, I haven't really done the research on why it didn't get that far north. But the bottom line is, Uh, The fact that they've been so warm and so dry has been literally due to the fact that um, we've been basically in this pattern now for two months. So we've talked about this before. Sometimes you can get four to six weeks of dryness, but when it goes into week eight, week nine, and week ten, the the extremes just become more extreme. Um, And the only Mm -hmm. good thing about California right now is they actually had some fairly decent rain late spring, uh, I should say late winter, early spring. So if you, if, if you notice, there hasn't been a lot in the way of fires in Southern California. They're actually a little bit wetter than normal. So their ground okay. or whatever. I got, I got to hold you soil. right there, Rick. We need, we need to take our hard break and let's continue that conversation when we come back. More from Rick DeMaio. This is Mike Novak from the Smart Talk Radio Network. One of the best ways to help out during the COVID-19 crisis is to donate blood. 
It doesn't cost you anything but your time. And the good it will do is immeasurable. Right now, fewer people than ever are able to donate, which makes the need for blood greater than ever. Can you spare an hour? Contact the American Red Cross today to schedule an appointment. Go to redcross.org. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Killer asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. AroundTheBlockPress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. Mike Novak. Mike Novak. Mike Novak. Sunday mornings, Peggy Malecki. All together Mike now. Mike Novak. Mike Novak. Mike Novak. Sunday mornings with Peggy Malecki. Cha-cha-cha. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And, of course, that's our buddy, Rick Moskovitz. Give him a ding uh, for that. And he's with uh, A-plus pest control. Oh. Good for them. Uh, and uh, you can let me make sure I got the, uh, the, the website correct. It is A-plus-pest.com. So go visit Rick Moskovitz. He's uh, doing really terrific work. Back to Rick DeMaio, who, who was talking about California wildflowers. You're saying wildfires, not flowers. Um, you were saying this, you know, two weeks or th- three weeks ago, people were talking about how many fires there were. Was that short-lived? Yeah, I, and I think part of it is due to the fact that, uh, you know, Cal Fire, that they're the, you know, the, the state and national or federal agency that helps with the control of the wildfires really did an amazing job in containing these fires very, very quickly. Uh, but even a couple of days ago, I was looking at the visible satellite. You can see a couple of hot spots developing in areas that were pretty much away from more of your populated areas of Napa, you know, east of San Francisco. Um, and thankfully, we haven't had anything, you know, start up again of any great significance uh, but more importantly, we haven't had anything down in Southern California. The reason why is because they pretty much had uh, a fairly decent but short-lived wet period in the springtime, and that actually has helped out quite a bit uh, with the with the subsoil moisture. But as we all know, um, that could easily change in September um, and in, into October and also into early November. So the bottom line, guys, is um, – and then we can put this topic to bed quickly here. You know, is this somewhat related to climate change? Um, it, it's hard to say whether or not it's related to climate change, but I always like to, to bring in the, the, the topic of population change. And if you continue to have, 
you know, greater numbers of people living in the western United States, um, even a normal heat wave that maybe we put this in the perspective of what we had back in the 1950s, has that much more of an impact. So even if people don't want to accept the argument of climate change, the fact that you've had a population change and you have much more in the way of demand and reliance on natural resources in these type of slightly above normal events, you have to think still about long-term sustainability. So oftentimes people who are trying to protect the environment link everything up to climate change. You don't have to. You could do it very simply by saying population change. When you have 40 million people trying to get through a three-month drought, um, that makes it a little bit more difficult on state and federal resources. That's a really, really mm. good point, Rick. Um, briefly, uh, what's uh, the hurricane outlook uh, in the near future? Yeah, but not, not even going in a hurricane. We could talk about Typhoon Haishen, which is the second typhoon uh, in basically a week. The other one was Masek, uh, which moved across southern areas of South Korea. This one, which was at one point a high-end Category 4, is most likely going to move into southeastern sections of South Korea and affect the incredibly large port city of Busan. Busan, to put it into perspective, handles about as much freight as Long Beach, California, which is known to be the largest and busiest port here in the United States. So a lot of goods and services uh, come out of the Busan area. And again, this is the type of storm that doesn't normally happen. We had hmm. two typhoons in the last two years move as far north as Seoul. Uh, Tokyo was hit twice by significant typhoons in the last couple of years. And when you look at the water temperatures across the western areas of the Pacific Ocean, again, they are way above normal. So even though it might, get, it might not get a lot of big news here in the United States, this typhoon is going to have a significant impact on the economy of South Korea. It may not hit any big cities, but again, it shows you just how far north these systems are going. To put it into perspective, it would be like a Category 1 hitting Boston. That's how far north Busan is, and that's the size of this storm. Our tropical storms here have kind of taken a bit of a break. Uh, we did have Nana move into areas of Guatemala and Belize, which was basically a low-end Cat 1 hurricane, but produced about 10 to 15 inches of rain. Good thing it weakened quite a bit, because even tropical storms can be significant rainmakers for Central America. Omar... Uh, which was storm number 15, if I have my numbers right, just basically formed off the East Coast and that weekend and moved out over the sea. Two more systems that could become tropical storms or hurricanes still off the coast of West Africa. Some of the long-range models are showing that these systems are going to move pretty close to the United States. The only good thing is when you begin to get cold in the middle of the country, which we'll do here in the next couple of days, the jet stream is enough to take that off to the east. So while the storms may still be somewhat uh, brewing across the southwest Atlantic, the chances of them getting further inland I think is going to decrease a little bit. But even though the Atlantic, when the Atlantic quiets down, that's when the Gulf of Mexico and the Bay of Campeche get going. And again, it's only the 6th of September. The midpoint of the season is not until next week. And we already reached the number of hurricanes and tropical zones typically get in an entire year. So we're only halfway through the season, guys. We'll see how the rest of the month of September and October go, and that's when all eyes are down across the Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico. One quick observation before we get to a forecast, and maybe you can comment on it. I, ha I looked at some of the maps you sent me, and the typhoon going up to uh, the Korean Peninsula 
I've never seen right. uh, in the Atlantic a a hurricane go straight north the way this yeah. thing. It's just it it was yeah. weird it, how straight it, it like an arrow uh, north. Uh, how does that allowed to happen? <laughs> and then you've got thirty seconds well, until well, the part of it is because um, the continent of Asia is so large. When you start to get these big troughs develop, uh, basically from about say North Korea south to about Beijing. When you start to develop that southerly flow, typically it'll take the storms pretty much almost north-south. Here in the United States, because of the way the North American continent runs more northeast to southwest, the jet stream follows a little bit more of a southwesterly track. The last storm that I can remember that took a due north track was Hurricane Sandy. And again, that occurred when you had a very strong south to north jet stream, but that also occurred at the end of October. And that's one of the reasons why you can compare those two types of tracks. All right, let's have a forecast here. All right, so uh, rain should push out of the area by about noon. We should get another batch of heavy thunderstorms along the weak cool front between about 9 and about 10, I said between about 6 and about 10 o'clock tonight. Tomorrow looks great. Westerly flow, it'll be dry. And then the big storm system out west will kind of fall apart right over us. So it should turn cooler and wetter as we head into late Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And hopefully the system will set up to the south of us where we'll get some pretty decent rainfall. Anywhere between 3 and 5 inches across West Illinois and about 2 to 3 inches here in the Chicagoland area. And we'll enjoy every quarter inch of that 2 to 3 inches, right? (laughs) You betcha. Thanks, Rick. We'll talk to you soon. Want to thank everybody on the show today, Alec McLennan, Reverend Brian Souter. Dr. Jalice Raymond, Rick DeMaio, uh, Nancy and Kayla, thank you so much. Until next time, go green or go home. Slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.